Hey everyone, um, I've been sharing our sermon for today, and today I'm reading from Philippians 3, 10 to 14. If you have a Bible, turn with me, the um, words would also be on the screen as well. Philippians 3, verse 10, this is what it says. For I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all this or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of, of that which, for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize, prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, everyone has probably done something out of an obligation in order to fulfill, you know, people's expectation of you. Um, and sometimes that can be exhausting, tiring, and stressful at times. Right, like uh, sometimes, like when I I buy wine and I'm drinking a cup of wine and a glass of wine, and I don't like the wine, but I feel obligated to drink the wine because, well, I bought it. I it's I spent money on this wine, so I better drink it, even though I don't like it. Um, sometimes you might find yourself having to say happy birthday to people on Facebook because you feel obligated to do it. They told you happy birthday last year so you must do the same again this year you feel you do it because you feel obligated to do it all right we eat salad because we feel obligated to do it we go exercise because we feel obligated to do it even our careers oftentimes we choose a certain career because why our parents expected us to follow that path there are many things we do out of obligation because people expect that from us. And so often we come, maybe you become a Christian or maybe you're, you're not even a Christian and you think that um, spiritual pursuits or spiritual practices are things we do because we are obligated to do it. And here I wanna focus on verse 12 of what Paul says. Because here what we see on, in verse 12 is something that I think should change or at least rectify the way we think of, spiritual, of our spiritual pursuit of God. Paul says here that I press on, I move forward to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on to take hold of what Jesus took hold of me. The simple fact is this, is that the, the, his motivational drive, his, his reason for pursuing Jesus is not because of an obligation that, that he, he was given to, but because the revelation of Jesus Christ 
and knowing that he, Christ himself took hold of him. I think this is the, the, the truth of the matter that we must come to know and see that we pursue Christ not because we have to, not because we're obligated to, not because there's some moral score that we have to keep up with. No, we pursue Christ because he has pursued us. I think of the show, The Last, um, uh, The Good Place, that is. And uh, it's, it's funny because one of it's the one of the the show the the belief in this good place is that in order for you to get to this good into this good place there's some sort of morality score that you have to uh keep up with right right so there's a morality score for all the good things you do and if you do well you get um um to go to this good place. For example, if you let someone merge in traffic with you, then you get, you get some points. If you eat vegan, you get some points. If you never discuss veganism unprompted, you get points for that as well. If you install sol solar panels, you get points. All these things you have to do in order for you to score points and get to this good place. So there's this sense of obligation of doing all these things, all these rules in order for you to make it to the other side, in order for you to, 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 uh, uh, to measure up uh, um, to the standard that has been given. But Paul here is telling us, no, he's, he's saying of himself that I am pursuing Christ because he's pursued me. That is his, the reason why he's pursuing Christ. For me, that's liberating. That's freeing. Because so many, so, for so many years, I, I, I believed that I had to, to, to measure up to this certain standard that God has for me in order for him to be pleased with me, in order for me to meet his standard. There's something freeing and recognizing that my pursuit of God does not come from obligation or come for, from me trying to fit this standard, this measure of success. No, it comes purely from what Christ has done for me and what Christ has, seen, has rescued me. And that's, this, this, this is the, the, the two points of my sermon today is that one is that Christ Jesus has taken a hold of me. Therefore, I take a hold of Jesus. You know, have you seen those videos of parents catching their quid kids so quickly just as they're about to fall? Um, it, it's fun, it's exhilarating and heroic to see that, right? You see, just as the kids were about to fall and potentially hurt themselves, here comes the super parents to the rescue, grabbing them quickly, seizing them quickly, and ensuring that their kids are safe and sound. But you, when you see those videos, you see the parents do it by force, as quickly, it's just like, wow. And, you know, they, they seem 
heroic. I think this is really the essence of what Paul is, is writing there in verse 12. It's just there's this forceful rescue. This, this, the language here is, just indicates this forceful nature through which Christ takes take a hold of us. And, you know, the, the great, beautiful thing is when we've come to understand that, when we've received that type of revelation of what Christ had to do, what Christ had done, man, that, that motivates me. That, that pushes me. That becomes the drive for me to seek God. It is with this beautiful um, rescue that Christ has taken a hold of us. You know, from the moment of his birth, when we saw what Herod tried to do to the crucifixion on a cross, as Christ was reckoning with the violence of this world, we see the forceful nature of Christ, the forceful nature through which Christ had to rescue us. When I think of um, even for myself personally, when I find myself in moments of weakness or in fits of rebellion, trying to stray away from, from the way of Jesus, and we see the rescue of Jesus, again, it's the, the sense of God rescuing us, snatching us forcefully. When uh, in, in the Lord's Prayer, when, it's taught, when, it, when Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, he said, uh, in the last word of that prayer, it says, deliver us from evil. Again, that word denotes this forceful nature. Snatch us away from evil. When, when Jesus was uh, finding himself with, the, uh, with, with being tempted by the devil to sway him away from the purposes and the plans of God, right? We see that, that the, the struggle, the, 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 the powers at work are more than just um, our individual um, nature, individual sins. It's more than just the, the world's violence it's also there's an evil power at work seeking to um, steal and move us away from the plans of God. Rick Boyd talks about this. He says, a theme that underlines uh, Jesus' entire ministry is the apocalyptic assumption that creation has been seized by cosmic force and that God is now battling this force to rescue it. In fact, Jesus understood himself to be the one in whom this battle was to be played out in a decisive way. The assumption is evident in almost everything Jesus says and does. Jesus, in rescuing us, put himself in harm's way so that you and I have the privilege of a relationship with God. That you and I will have a privilege of pursuing and knowing God. This is why uh, um, Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 4, 
Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in his mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. This is why for me, I can never cease to be in awe or turn away from him because because of the magnitude of his grace, which really is beyond what we can measure. Even when I find myself, when, when doubts seeps in, when I find myself with unanswerable um, questions and bombarded with just the many uncertainties that life brings. And, but when I turn to the gospel and see and hear that Christ has sought me out despite my doubts, despite my faults, despite my sins, despite myself. I have no choice but to be in awe of him. I have no choice just to be thankful and grateful for what he's done. And it's for you and I, that we can be in awe of him all over again when we recognize and understand the depths of his love and his grace towards us. And when we turn to Jesus, when we understand the beauty of his gospel, when we understand the beauty of, his, of the cross, of his sacrifice, and his love towards us, we have no choice but to pursue him. And this is what Paul says, I press on to take hold of Christ because Christ has taken hold of me. So we press on, we take a hold of him because he has taken a hold of us. His initiative gives us the imperative and the motivation to, to pursue him. This is why we pursue him. You know, I tell you this, if I, if I pursued God because I want to be a good person or because I want to score some like moral points with him, or if I define my relationship with him by, uh, on my performance, honestly, I end up just being a jerk because I, all I would probably do is size up myself against um, other people and build my, myself, feel uh, built up and, and um, accomplished by my performance, not by what Christ has done. Therefore, I take hold, I pursue my spiritual pursuit of Jesus. Your spiritual pursuit of Jesus shouldn't be out of just trying to be a good person or out of performance. Just purely about what Christ has done. So we pursue him. That's why I like this, this uh, the, the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he saw that they were all 
confident in their own righteousness and they looked down on everyone else that was around them. Jesus told them, he's like, listen, there, here's this, here's this parable. There are two men, one went, that went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Uh, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector next to me. Even like this sinner, this person next to me. Look at me, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But then the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his, 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 his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other man, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. The idea of my friends, when we come face to face with Jesus, when we come and see that we that that we are we are there just because of what He's done and not because of our performance, we see our own brokenness. We see our own sinful patterns. And this is why Paul can say, I, I have not already obtained it. I haven't gotten there yet. Because when you come to Jesus, you see how far you are from him, how distant you, you are from, from him. You see the evil and the sinful patterns that are in your life. You know, as I've been reflecting on this season and how things just feel so out of control, I think many of us are... are in many ways, kind of scurrying around, trying to gain a sense of control, gain a sense of normalcy, and it feels hard to find. And because this control seems hard to find, we might find ourselves reverting or defaulting to sinful habits and to sinful patterns. Um, you might find yourself dealing with uncontrolled anger, stuck in this comparison trap, comparing yourself to everyone else, coveting what they want, what they have. You might find yourself um, uh, at, uh, at the brink of alcohol or substance abuse, struggling with lust, with pornography. You might even find yourself overworking because that's where you gain a sense of control. At the end of the day, you end up... Um, neglecting self-care and alienating your family. All these things pile up So you're trying to gain a sense of control. But if today we were to stop and turn to Jesus in prayer and in confession, and even just praying like the sinner did, God have mercy, mercy on me, a sinner. You find Jesus who justifies you, who, who tells you you are enough. That there's nothing you can do to gain his love. Maybe that's the question for us, for you today. What, what are the things 
you are holding on to. What, a healthy, what are the unhealthy patterns and sinful habits that you've reverted back to during this high-pressure season? What are those things that are keeping you from seeing Christ? If today we would get on our knees and would turn to Jesus and tell him, God, have mercy on me. You know, I found myself sometimes during the season just having to pray that, just having to pray just one word, God, have mercy because I am overwhelmed, I am tired. You might be feeling overwhelmed, tired, and that's all you can pray. God, have mercy. I'm telling you, God, Christ, you'll find his love in his heart. You'll find that he loves and cares for you, and he desires that you be free from the bondage of evil, from the idols of this world, and free to pursue him freely. So even in this moment, would you now take this time to close your eyes and say, God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on us. May this be our prayer today, that as we reflect on Jesus and his gospel and we let go of control and of all the uh, things that we've so come to depend on, that we will be set free to pursue him with passion, with zeal, and with all that we have.